0: So we're going to get started this morning with uh, continuing on our uh, series on words from the cross. And if you missed last week, that was the first week where we are talking about the things that Jesus said, our dying Savior, while he was on the cross. Powerful things that were said. And last week, we began by talking about when Jesus says, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. And if you missed last week, I encourage you to uh, go back, get on our website, and watch it. Especially if you have uh, struggles with forgiveness. Which I think, based on um, a lot of the impact group discussions that occurred this week, we all have those struggles. So you can go back and and watch that. But today, I'm really excited. We're going to jump right in to talk about something else that Jesus said while he was dying on the cross. And it comes out of Matthew chapter uh, 27, excuse me, starting in verse 45. Matthew 27, verse 45. If you have your Bible, you can turn there this morning. If not, it'll be up on the screen for you. It says, Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And at about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What a powerful question that Jesus asks God in this moment Something that deserves all sorts of attention from us this morning. And if we need to understand it fully, we need to understand what forsaken means, which, by the way, has already been prayed over this morning, has been spoken about in worship. Thank you, Jesus. So clearly, there is something that God wants to get through to us this morning. So let's just all commit to have ears to hear this morning. Amen. And um, it's just confirming, listen, I, I am so burdened with this word for this morning. I know that there are those of us in this room, those that are watching online, that are struggling with the feeling of being forsaken. It is a real thing, and I believe some of us are willing to admit it, and some of us aren't, and God wants to address it this morning in a real way, so let's give him our attention. Forsaken means to be abandoned or deserted. Abandoned or deserted. Another word for that that we use today is loneliness, and that's ultimately what I want to talk about this morning is loneliness, not being alone. Some of us love to be alone, But I don't think any of us want to to feel lonely. And there's a big difference there. And Jesus, when he is on the cross, says, I feel abandoned. I feel deserted. I feel lonely. The King of kings, the Son of God, and he asks God, why? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me alone? Why have you abandoned me, deserted me? He's not asking this of the disciples who, by the way, did those things. He's asking God, his heavenly father. It's a serious question. And what I want to do as we discuss this is I want to put a pin in this line in Matthew 27. And we're going to come back to it. But I want to look with the understanding that Jesus felt this way himself. All right. I want to look at a story, actually two stories of Jesus addressing this very thing with other people. Okay, so we're going to revisit this at the end, but I want to just pause there and look at a a story where Jesus interacts with someone who feels this exact same way. But before we get into it, what we need to understand about loneliness, it is always paired with affliction. Okay, when we feel lonely, when we feel abandoned and deserted, it's not on a good day. All right. It's when trouble hits. It's when hard things are happening in our life. And so the thing about loneliness is it always is paired. It's always coupled with affliction and trouble in our lives. And so what we need to understand is how we combat those things. All right. Let's look in John chapter four. This is such an amazing story of many things. But one of those things is loneliness, is a feeling of forsakenness. And it's John chapter four, starting in verse one. It says, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptized and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. Verse 4, he had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sicar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. So, what we see here in Jesus is a two parter. We see the 100% divinity, the God of Jesus, in verse 4, which we're going to break that down in a second. And then we also see the 100% fully human side of Jesus as he's tired and he's thirsty and he wants a drink. And so what we see here in verse 4, there is a word in here, y'all, that blows me away when I read this. It blows me away. It's one word, and it's the word had. It says in verse 4, he had to go through Samaria on the way. Jesus had to do it. And it's weird to think that Jesus has to do anything, right? I mean, he's the son of God. He sits at the right hand of God the Father. He walks on water. He raises people from the dead. Jesus doesn't have to do anything. Well, yes, he does. He had to do this. And this is not, he didn't have to do this because there was a geographical need. In fact, here's the most amazing part of this verse where it says that Jesus had to do this. Most Jews, especially the pious ones, the ones who were ultra religious and ultra, you know, obsessed with the law, like we talked about last week, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, this was the way that they could not go. There was another way from Judea to Galilee that was much further, but that's the way that most Jewish people went because they wanted to avoid Samaria. They didn't want anything to do with it. And there were some people that just didn't care, they wanted the shortest route. But those that thought themselves something of the Jewish religion, they would go out of their way, the long way, to avoid Samaria. But it says here that Jesus had to go that way. You see, the thing about Jesus, since the day that he was born, he always chose the way less traveled. He was born in a barn, right? He was raised in Nazareth. He ate with the prostitutes and the sinners. He touched the leper. He is always for us, always, always, always going to go the way less traveled for us. And so that's why we can read here in verse four that he had to do it. He had to go to Samaria, even though the Jews wanted nothing to do with Samaritans. Jesus is like, I got to go that way. Why? Because there was someone there that he had to meet who was feeling forsaken, who was feeling lonely, who was feeling completely rejected. He said, I got to go. I got to meet them there. Even though every other person, every other religious leader was like, I ain't going near that way because I'm concerned with myself. She's like, I got to go. I gotta go, and I want you to know right now, if you are feeling lonely, if you are feeling forsaken, God is saying, I gotta go to them. I have to go to you. Even if it is the road less traveled, I will go. I will put my reputation on the line to meet with you in the middle of the day at a well to let you know that you are not forsaken, to let you know that you are not alone. And so I want to say again, for any, anyone in here that is feeling like you are alone, you are not. You are not alone. That is a lie from the enemy. You are not alone. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 9, the woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? There is a triple whammy of rejection going on here by this woman. Okay, check this out. First, Samaritans as a whole are rejected by Jews, okay? And here is this Jew coming to her, asking for a drink. So some Samaritans are reject- rejected. Now, inside that, she is a Samaritan being rejected by Samaritans, okay? So that's double rejection. Third, she's a woman, and she is being rejected by other women. And we know that because she is at this well in the middle of the day by herself. Women went to the well then in the morning when it was cooler, when you needed all that water then. It made no sense to go to a well at the hottest part of the day except for the fact that that was the only time you could go because no one else wanted you around, including Samaritan women who were just like her, rejecting her. These Samaritan women who had been, in large part, rejected by the Samaritan men. These Samaritan men who had been rejected by Jews. You see what's happening here? She is so alone. Rejected by everybody. We're not going to discuss it this morning, but Jesus looks at her and says, yeah, there's been five men that you've been with. Rejected, 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 rejected. So here she is, finding herself at this well, living this life of rejection and loneliness and forsakenness. But here comes a Savior that had to go that way to see her. That is every single one of our stories. Jesus just had to come find us so that we would know for the rest of our lives that we are never alone. Praise God. This is, this is I, sh- I should mention the fourth. There's a fourth interesting thing about this whole deal. Is teachers of the law back then, Pharisees, who were the measure of faith and religion. You know, when they were in public, they refused to talk to women, even their wives and their daughters. Jesus is breaking all these barriers. He's breaking race and he's breaking sexism. By going to this woman, because he had to, because he had to, because he had to. He goes on to say, Jesus replied, because she, she says, you know, let's go back really quick. I'm a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for a drink? Verse 10, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Jesus says, if you only knew if you only knew, There's, I, I, when I read this, I, I hear a desperation in his voice, even a sadness. There's a sadness in his voice like, don't you see if you, if you only knew who you were talking to, if you only knew this gift that I could give you, if you only knew all these things that you're feeling, all this rejection, all this loneliness, all this forsakenness, it would be gone in an instant if you only knew who you are face to face with right now if you only knew of this gift <laughs> this gift when do you think the last time this woman was offered a gift a gift when he's saying if you only knew of this gift that I was giving you this gift of not just salvation which in and of itself is an entire sermon not just salvation but redemption reconciliation love a family book of Psalms says that God gives a family to the lonely. And he sa- he's saying if you knew, if you only knew, you would have a family again. My gosh. You think she needed a family? God's saying, I can give you everything. I can give you forgiveness. I can cover you. And all those feelings that you're feeling about yourself will be gone if you only knew. If you only knew. And here's the thing, church. For those that haven't met Jesus, they don't know. They don't know yet. And that's our job to tell them. As Pastor Steen was saying, take the cards in the back. Don't leave them in your car. Give them out to people because there's people that are sitting at their own well that live right next door to us. That might drive the nicest car and have the nicest house on the block. And they're sitting at a well. Because, because even though they have all these things... It doesn't matter. They're sitting at their own well. And all it can take is a card, an invite to say, here, if you only knew what God wants to give you, and he'll release them from all those things that they are feeling as well. But this is the other side of it. A lot of us in here, we've we've met Jesus. We've met Jesus. And though we knew at a time when we received him, we've forgotten. We have forgotten the things that he's given us the gifts he's given us. And I want, to, I want to change gears real quick and just read another story. And we'll come back to the woman at the well in just a minute. But I want to look at someone that forgot. That forgot. And instead believed the lie of the enemy and just what that looks like in our lives. And it's 1 Kings chapter 19 starting in verse 1. This is when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. Tell me if this sounds familiar. I have had enough, Lord. (laughs) Throw it in the towel. (laughs) Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Goes on to say in verse 9, but the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Like, are you serious? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. Here it is right here, y'all. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. You know, one of the best things about our impact groups here at Beaches Chapel is when you feel like this. Like, I am the only one left. I am the only one that's going through this. I am the only one that's gone through that. I am the only one that struggles here. And you get around a group of believers, and they're going to say, no, you're not. Let me tell you my story, right? And then, on top of that, they say, and you know what? I got through it, and you can too. Because you're not alone. Because you're not alone. And Elijah wasn't alone. The Bible goes on to say that there were over 700 others there. 700, not like two or three, like we're having coffee somewhere in a dark room. Like, what are we going to do? 700. But here's what kills me about this. He forgot. Listen, this all happens, this feeling, this hymn under this solitary tree, telling God he was suicidal in this moment, was the day after Jesus sent fire down from heaven. And burn up his offering and licked up all the water around it. One day! One day! It, listen, not only that, but he goes and slaughters all these false prophets. And his, the Holy Spirit is on Elijah so much. Go back and read this. It is hilarious. He tucks up his tunic and he runs to the next town. And he actually passes Ahab, who's riding in a horse and chariot. He runs faster than a horse! <laughs> Like, can you imagine Ahab in that moment? He's already seen fire. He's like, the dude's out running a horse. <laughs> like, this is wild. This is insane. But you know what? He forgot. He forgot. And it took one day. Some of us, we forget by the time we get to our car at a church. So we can beat Elijah up till the cow's going home. Look, Pfft. we're the same. We forget all the time. And then we end up under a tree trying to convince God that we're the only one. Like, hardship is only for us. And we're this special person that the devil just loves to attack and keeps everyone else alone. Let me tell you something. Devil hates everybody. He hates your enemy. We'll get to that one another day. He hates everybody. And he wants to destroy all of us. And Elijah, in that moment, he forgot. And what he did, this is another part of the story that just kills me. Jezebel threatens him by saying, may the gods deal with me if by this time tomorrow you're not like the prophets that you just killed. She's swearing by her gods, okay? Yesterday, her gods were, were nowhere to be found, they couldn't light the altar that they built. The false prophets actually were, were committing, like witchcraft to try and get these false gods to light. And they, Elijah was talking trash about the false gods. And then the next day, she's threatening Elijah by the same lowercase G, non-existent, little "wuss, no power at all, gods. And he believed her. It says that he was afraid and he fled. She was threatening him with empty threats, and I want to tell y'all, every lie of the enemy is an empty threat on your life. Every single one, but we believe them, and then we feel lonely, we feel forsaken. We say, God, where are you? And we, we, we choose not to believe what his word says, and we believe the empty threats instead, instead and it leads us to feeling forsaken to feeling lonely, depressed, suicidal. All those things. Because we forgot that the Lord will never leave us and he will never forsake us. That he is above every attack of the enemy in our lives. All right, let's go back to John 4 and the woman at the well. So Jesus says, if you only knew, if you only knew you would take living water. And here's what she says. Listen to these words that she says to him, starting in verse 11. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. She said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Here's what she's really doing. This, her response to Jesus in this moment, this conversation is just doubt, doubt, doubt. And break it down in three parts. Sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, okay? Here it is. Jesus, you don't have what it takes. You don't have the tools necessary to quench my thirst. You don't have it. Second thing. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? Jesus, my hurts, my loneliness want run way too deep for you to fix and for you to fill. You don't have the tools and you don't understand the depths of my despair. I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands. You don't have the tools, it's too deep. And do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob? What what do you think, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are that you can fix me or that you have the right to fix me and say these things to me? And so instead, in our loneliness, in our brokenness, in our forsakenness, we turn to the tools that we know. We turn to the tools that we have access to, our own ropes and our own buckets. We turn to alcohol and drugs and pornography and adultery and, and consumerism and all those things to try and fill this void of loneliness of forsakenness, because we don't believe that Jesus has what it takes to fill our hearts for us. And so we rely on temporary, temporary things that all they do is increase our loneliness more and make us feel more empty and more forsaken instead of trusting that Jesus is who he says he is and that he has the tools to fix us. So she's full of doubt. Verse 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water, I, I love, I love Jesus. I love his response to her doubt. Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But check this out. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Jesus doesn't say, oh, well, you know, that you brought up a good point there. Well, I need to think about this for a second. Maybe you do have some real heart. He didn't say that. When, when, he, when he's confronted with our doubts, he goes, check out who I am. Because here's the thing that we need to understand about Jesus, y'all. He knows who he is. He is confident in himself. And so he's never, ever, ever going to approach us with doubt. He is going to be confident every time when we come to him and say, yeah, but I don't." "I got you. Yeah, but you don't have the t- I got you. Yeah, but you don't know the depths. I got you. I am enough for you. I am enough for you. And not only that, but I am going to give you living water. And you're going to go from a person who is struggling with forsakenness and loneliness to this living water is going to start bubbling out of you. And you're going to become a spring. You're going to become life. And you're going to be life-giving to other people. So not only am I going to fix you, but you are going to start fixing other people. That's what this living water is. If you only knew. If you only knew of the gift that I had for you. And stop looking at the circumstances around you. Stop, stop feeling like the only person out of the world. Stop, stop listening to the lies of the enemy that are, that are giving you false threats all the time. If you only knew and if you stood on what you know, I will give you living water. We're living in a very hard time right now. Like any bones about it, it's weird, it's frustrating, and it's hard, and it's a great time as many people are isolated for the devil to come in and and tell us that we are alone. I've, I've said it before, I'll say it now, and I'm going to say it again. The enemy is after relationships right now. He wants to have us be alone. He wants us to each be at our own well. He wants us each to be under that tree and believe his lies over and over again so that we don't drink the living water and become a spring of life for others around us. So because he wants to kill us, he wants us to self-medicate, he wants us to feel depressed and alone and forsaken. But we're not. Thank you, Jesus. And it's not about, it's not about the circumstances of our world today. God does not succumb to those things. Verse 27, just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Yeah, smart men. <laughs> Why are you talking to her? They're like, they're not going to say that. They're all thinking it. The woman left her water. Here she is, y'all. Here she becomes that, that spring that Jesus is talking about. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see. A man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. I love this. She goes from running from people to running towards them. All because she's had an encounter with Jesus. And now she has that living water. And it says that he told her everything she had done. And he was still there offering her the water. The water isn't conditional on our behavior. It's just a matter of do we take it or not. And then we start to run to people when before we were running from them. Because now we have something to give them. Now we have life and we have it to the full. We have Jesus and the Holy Spirit moving in us in ways that we can't control. And we just want to, we just want to say, here it is. And no longer are we at a well by ourselves. But we're running towards people because we're part of a family. We're part of who God has called us to be. Listen, the Bible says that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He had to go to her to be true to his word. That he would be near to her. And he will be near to you as well if you are brokenhearted. If you are feeling alone. If you are feeling forsaken. If you are feeling like you are the only one and that you're afraid and you're running away. Because of what the enemy is telling you. Jesus is going to look at you and say the same thing. God, I got to go. I have to go. I have to meet them where they're at. And let them know that they are not alone. I want to have the band come back up. And we're going to close this morning. with just a couple more verses. I want to go back to Jesus on the cross now. Verse 27, starting in verse 45, he says, Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And in about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I love what Charles Spurgeon says about this question that Jesus asks. He says, we can imagine the answer to Jesus' question, why? And this is the answer that God would give him, Because, my son, you have chosen to stand in the place of guilty sinners, You who have never known sin have made the infinite sacrifice to become sin and to receive my just wrath upon sin and sinners. You did this because of your great love and because of my great love. Then the Father might give the Son a glimpse of his reward, the righteously robed multitude of his people on heaven's golden streets, all of them singing their Redeemer's praise, all of them chanting the name of Jehovah and the Lamb. And this was part of the answer to his question. The answer to his question, God, why have you forsaken me? Because Jesus and God said, I have to do it. I have to do it so that we, so that you and you online watching and I will never, ever, ever be alone. That's the answer to the question, why? He who knew no sin became sin for us. Jesus took it, he took it, and he felt it in that moment. But God's saying, because I don't want anyone to ever be sitting at the well and feeling like they're alone ever again. And so I say again to you this morning, you are not alone. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. Say that again. The Lord your God goes with you. And he will never leave you or forsake you, y'all. He will never leave you or forsake you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. We serve a God that is not a far-off God. We serve a God that is not a far-off God. He is with us. I want to read to you all again what the the scripture that this church, this house is based on. Our mission statement is, Beach Devil is a home for all to begin and grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. This place is a home where you can be part of a family and never be alone, where we can pray for one another, we can lean on each other, Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 says, you're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here, whether you were at a well or not, in what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God. All of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. He's calling you. This is a home for all, for those that have no family, for those that have no hope, for those that are feeling forsaken, God is saying, I have to go to you, and I have gone to you. But I didn't go to a well. I went to the cross, and I hung there and I died. Your death, so that you will never be alone again. And you're gonna need to tell the enemy that. You're gonna need to tell the enemy that. I wanna do something really quick. As we enter back into worship, I just want everyone in here to just close your eyes and bow your head. Everybody this is a safe place. We don't put on airs here. We're all saved by grace. We all know it. And I just wanna pray for those this morning who are suffering, who are struggling with loneliness, with depression, with suicidal thoughts. And I just, I, I want to, I want us to be bold for a second. I don't do this every week, but again, every head bowed, every eye closed, If you're struggling with loneliness right now, I just, I want you to take a a little bit of faith and just put your hand in the air, if that's you this morning. If you're struggling with any of those things, thank you, Jesus. God, you're faithful. You're faithful, Lord. (laughs) Father, thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you, Lord, that your word is true, that you're not a liar. You are who you say you are, and you are a God who is near to us. And that you died on the cross, and you said those words for us, Lord, so that we would never have to say them. God, why have you forsaken me? You said them for us, Lord, so that we, they never have to come out of our mouth again. And Jesus, I pray right now for every single person, for those that raise their hand, For those watching online, Father, for those that just still couldn't even do it, that couldn't put their hand up, I pray right now, Jesus, against that spirit of loneliness, that spirit of depression, that spirit of suicide in Jesus' name. God, I bind those attacks in Jesus' name. And we say no more, Lord. Silence the lies of the enemy, those empty threats that are being spoken into their ears, God, every day, every moment, Lord. And I pray, Jesus, right now, For those that are dealing with it, God, that you would begin to put truth into their mind, truth into their hearts, Father. Truth, Jesus, that they would speak out, God, that they would themselves not say the words like Elijah said, that I am alone and there's no one else but me, but that instead, God, they would replace those words with the words that my God is with me and that I will never be forsaken and I am not alone. And not only do I have you, Jesus, but I have a whole family of believers with me. God, I pray right now that you would break those chains in Jesus' name. Do a miracle right now over the hearts and minds of every single person that is in this room that is watching, Father, at home. You would break that in Jesus' name. God, I pray for freedom from those lies, freedom from those attacks, God. Set them free right now in Jesus' name. Set them free right now, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. You did not call us to ever be alone. You called us to be in relationship with you and with those around us. So God, I pray for a new day in Jesus' name. A new day right now, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for saying those words for us, for being forsaken so that we would never have to be. God, you are good. You are loving and you are faithful. And you meet us, God, because you have to. You have to meet us because that's how much you love us. Thank you for that, Lord. We bless you this morning, God. We bless you. Amen. Let's stand.